decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods, the very Arctic Piney Woods. We are right in the 20 below range. When I checked my, uh, my app this morning when I got up, it said we were at 19 below. Mm, looking out on the front porch, the uh, thermometer on the front porch says that it's about 16 below. Um, but it's cold. <laughs> and, uh, and that could be just because where that thermometer sits on the front porch, it's kind of sheltered. <laughs> so it's not, uh, it may not be as cold right in that particular spot. But you go out 15, 20 feet away from the house, and it's probably probably closer to that 20 below level. And I'm not going to complain because it's warm in the house. Heat's on, power's on, everything's good. Uh, the energy partners filled up our propane tank yesterday, so we're not worried about running out of heat. As long as the electricity stays on, the furnace will run, and we will stay warm and cozy. Um, I hadn't really thought about it until the lead up to Y2K, and I know that was 22 years ago, and most people well off of everybody's radar, but I hadn't really thought about it because the house I grew up in is a when we first moved to Montana and lived in for many, many years had wood heat. We had a fireplace on the, the main floor and a big wood stove in the family room in the basement. And that family room in the basement, that wood stove heated the whole house. Dad had put in a series of, of fans that would blow the heat from the family room in the basement up into the main upstairs of the house. And, uh, and of course, when it was really cold, the family room was where the TV was and all of that good stuff. So that was where we would hang out, especially in the winter where it was always nice and, and toasty. And when we had power outages, which were actually a more frequent thing back then than they are now, the house would stay warm because of the, the wood stove, the wood heat. Houses today can't function without electricity. We have no way of keeping our house warm if the power goes out, apart from a little little propane camping heater that I could go out to the shed and get if, if needed. But that puts off fumes, so you got to have a window open. Um, but it would keep us from freezing to death, I suppose. So, you know, it, it's... Houses are not... I, I've, I've often thought that if I built a house, if we replaced this house, I would build a house that had at least as a backup wood heat. I like the convenience of forced air gas heat. I like being able to turn the thermostat up and getting getting the house warm. Um, it gives me comfort when I hear the furnace come on and it wakes me up in the middle of the night. It's running right now. I, I can hear it. Uh, I don't think the microphone picks it up, but I can hear it. So. I, I'm, I'm happy with the convenience of forced air wood heat, but or forced air gas heat, 
But if I was to build a house, I would have a wood stove. If for no other reason than when the power goes out, you can keep the house warm. Now we do have a gas stove and it works just fine when the power's out. So we are able to make food um, and, and, and make coffee. I have made coffee in a power outage by using the, I've got a, in my camping box, I have a pour over coffee maker. And so I went and got the camping box and opened that up and got the, the pour over coffee maker and made coffee for myself. Mrs. Squirrel does not drink coffee, so it's mine. It's all mine. Mm. I grew up in a family of coffee drinkers. Both my parents drank coffee. And I started drinking coffee young. And uh, I like coffee. Well, we've had two days of shoveling snow. The driveway is clear. It's not supposed to snow today. It is supposed to snow tomorrow. And it's supposed to snow Saturday. But Saturday it's supposed to start snowing and then turn into rain. And then all of next week... It's not even supposed to get below freezing at night. So we are going to have a warm and rainy Christmas day after a week of snow and Arctic temperatures. It's supposed to be 48 degrees for a high on Christmas day. And it's supposed to rain. So <laughs> we're just, we're getting it all this week. Uh, it's, it's just an interesting, interesting week of weather. All right. Well, this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated primarily to the public reading of scripture and secondarily to my thoughts on various topics of the day. And our scripture reading today, as we continue to read through the entire Legacy Standard Bible translation this year, our scripture reading today is... Job 21 through 23, Psalm 101, and Revelation 16. Then I want to talk a little bit about the Feast of Dedication. Um, you know it's, it's Hanukkah right now, and uh, Hanukkah is a Jewish feast. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about that, because um, there's some interesting things to say there. Um, and so we'll bring that up. All right, well, let us begin, as is our practice, with the Prayer of Confession from the 1552 Book of Common Prayer. Excuse me. These last couple of days of being outside and working hard and breathing that uh, cold air deep into my lungs, I've uh, developed a bit of a cough this morning. Nothing like I had <laughs> a few weeks ago when I was sick. No, this is much more just a, an irritant cough. It's not any kind of uncontrollable, racking cough like I had. But we won't talk about that. All right, well, let's begin, as I said, with our prayer of confession from the 1552 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent. 
according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life. To the glory of thy holy name. Amen. And now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who hast caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given us in our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Now Job chapter 21. Then Job answered and said, Listen carefully to my speech, and let this be your way of consolation. Bear with me that I may speak, then after I have spoken you may mock. As for me, is my musing to man, and why should I not be impatient? Look at me and be appalled, and put your hand over your mouth. Even when I remember I am dismayed, and horror seizes my flesh. Why do the wicked still live? Continue on, also become very powerful. Their seed is established with them in their presence, and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from dread, and the rod of God is not on them. His ox mates and does not fail, his cow calves and does not miscarry. They send forth their little ones like the flock, and their children skip about. They lift up the tambourine and harp, and are glad at the sound of the pipe. They spend their days in prosperity, and suddenly they go down to Sheol. They say to God, Depart from us, we do not even desire the knowledge of your ways. Who is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what would we profit if we entreat him? Behold, their prosperity is not in their hand. The counsel of the wicked is far from me. How often is the lamp of the wicked put out, or does their disaster fall on them? Does God apportion destruction in his anger? Are they as straw before the wind, and like chaff which the storm steals away? You say, God stores away a man's wickedness for his sons. Let God repay him so that he, he may know it. Let his own eyes see his decay, and let him drink of the wrath of the Almighty. For what desire does he have for his household after him, when the number of his months is cut off? Can anyone teach God knowledge, in that he judges those on high? One dies in his full strength, being wholly carefree and at ease. His sides are filled out with fat, and the marrow of his bones is moist. But another dies with a bitter soul, never even eats anything good. Together they lie down in the dust, and worms cover them. Behold, I know your thoughts, and the plans by which you do violence against me. For you say, Where is the house of the nobleman, and where is the tent, the dwelling place of the wicked? Have you not asked those who pass by along the way, and do you not recognize their witness, that the wicked is reserved for the day of disaster? They will be led forth at the day of fury? Who will declare to his face about his actions, and who will repay him for what he has done? While he is led forth to the grave, men will keep watch over his tomb. The clods of the valley will gently cover him. Moreover, all men will draw up after him, while countless ones go before him. How then will you vainly comfort me, indeed, when your answers remain full of falsehood? Chapter 22 Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, can a mighty man be of use to God, or an insightful man be useful to himself? Is there any pleasure to the Almighty if you are righteous, 
or profit if you make your ways perfect? Is it because of your reverent fear that he reproves you, that he enters into judgment against you? Is not your evil great and your iniquities without end? For you have taken pledges of your brothers without cause and stripped the clothing of the naked. To weary you, you, to the weary you have given no water to drink, and from the hungry you have withheld bread. But the earth belongs to the mighty man, and the highly respected man inhabits it. You have sent widows away empty, and the might of the orphans has been crushed. Therefore snares surround you, and sudden dread terrifies you, or darkness so that you cannot see, and an abundance of water covers you. Is not God in the height of heaven? Look also at the distant stars, how high they are. You say, what does God know? Can he judge through the dense gloom? Clouds are a hiding place for him, so that he cannot see, and he walks on the vault of the heavens. Will you keep to the ancient path which wicked men have trod, who were snatched away before their time, whose foundations were washed away by a river? They said to God, Depart from us, and what can the Almighty do to them? Yet he filled their houses with good things, but the counsel of the wicked is far from me. The righteous see and are glad, and the innocent mock them saying, Truly those who rise against us are wiped out, and their abundance the fire has consumed. Yield now and be at peace with him. Thereby good will come to you. Please receive instruction from his mouth and set his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be restored. If you remove unrighteousness far from your tent and put your gold in the dust and the gold of Ophir among the stones of the brooks, then the Almighty will be your gold and choice silver to you. For then you will delight in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. You will entreat him, and he will hear you, and you will pay your vows. You will also decree a thing, and it will be established for you. The light will shine on your ways. When some are cast down, you will speak with confidence. And the humble person he will save. He will provide escape for one who is not innocent, and he will escape through the cleanness of your hands. Then Job answered and said, Even today my musing is rebellion. His hand is heavy despite my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, or that I might come to his seat. I would arrange my case for justice before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer and discern what he would say to me. Would he contend with me by the greatness of his power? No, surely he would pay attention to me. There the upright would argue with him and I would have escaped forever from my judge. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot discern him. When he acts on the left, I cannot behold him. He turns on the right, and I cannot see him. But he knows the way I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot is held fast to his path, and I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the command of his lips, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. But he is unique, and who can turn him? And what his soul desires, that he does. For he performs what is apportioned for me, and many such decrees are with him. Therefore I would be dismayed at his presence. I carefully consider, and I am in dread of him. It is God who has made, me fa made my heart faint, and the Almighty who has dismayed me. But I am not silenced by the darkness, nor thick darkness which covers me. And now Psalm 101.
The 101st Psalm of David, a psalm. I will sing of loving kindness and justice. To you, O Yahweh, I will sing praises. I will consider the way of the blameless. When will you come to me? I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. I will set no vile thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. The crooked heart shall depart from me. I will know no evil. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. My eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may, be ab they may abide with me. He who walks in the way of the blameless is the one who will minister to me. He who practices deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who speaks lies shall not be established before my eyes. Every morning I will destroy all the wicked of the land to cut off from the city of Yahweh all the workers of iniquity. Revelation chapter 16 Then I heard a loud voice from the sanctuary saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and it became a loathsome and malignant sore on the people who have the mark of the beast and who worship his image. And the second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like blood, like that of a dead man, and every living thing in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, Righteous are you who is and who was, O holy one, because you judged these things. For they poured out the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And the fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun, and it was given to it to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with fierce heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who has the authority over these plagues, and they did not repent so as to give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became darkened, and they gnawed their tongues because of pain, and they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. And the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the Euphrates, and its water was dried up, so that the way would be prepared for the kings from the east. Then I saw, coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. For they are spirits of demons, doing signs, which go out to the kings of the whole world, to gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his garments, so that he will not walk about naked, and men will not see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place which in Hebrew is called Harmageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air, and a loud voice came out of the sanctuary from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were flashes of light and sounds and peals of thunder, and there was a great earthquake, such as there had not been since man came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it, and so mighty. And the great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the Great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the wrath of his rage, and every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. 
and huge hailstones, about one talent each, came down from heaven upon men, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, because its plague was extremely severe. This is the word of the Lord. Now the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now the Collect for Grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings may be ordered by thy governance to do always that is righteous in thy sight, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the Feast of Dedication, a.k.a. Hanukkah. The Festival of Lights, the Feast of the Maccabees, it's going on right now. Now, this is not one of the feasts given to Israel in the uh, Law of Moses. In fact, the events that led to this feast took place in the intertestamental period, meaning that the events that took place happened between the close of the Old Testament, when, when uh, Malachi, the last prophet of the Old Testament, finished his book, and the beginning of the New Testament. So this is an intertestamental event. Around 170 B.C., uh, from a period of time from 175 to 160 B.C., say, Jerusalem had been conquered and the temple profaned by the Seleucid emperor Antiochus Epiphanes. Now remember that the whole area had been conquered by Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great died at a very young age. And his kingdom was then divided into four kingdoms by, and they ended up going to four of his generals. And two of those generals are very pertinent and, and prominent, especially in the prophecies of, of the end of Daniel, the wars, the, the wars of the kings of the north and the kings of the south. In, in that period, the, the king of the north was the emperor of the Seleucid Empire, which is modern-day Syria, Iraq, and Iran. The king of the south was the Ptolemaic king of Egypt. And so after Alexander the Great's empire was broken up, Ptolemaic Egypt and the Seleucid Empire fought back and forth across Jerusalem, and it changed hands many times. So it, it was not the most 
uh, peaceful of time to be in Jerusalem. Now, around 170 BC, the Seleucid Empire had conquered Jerusalem, and Antiochus Epiphanes profaned the temple. Now, there was he, he was taking sides in a, there was a, a Jewish civil war going on that, that you know, they were, they were um, Jerusalem was officially part of Ptolemaic Egypt at the time, but there was a civil war among the Jews going on, among the traditional Hebraic Jews and the Greek Hellenistic Jews. And the Hebraic Jews had the temple that had been rebuilt after the Babylonian captivity. Well, in taking sides with the Greek Jews, Antiochus went into the temple and killed all the priests. He also set up an altar to Zeus, and he sacrificed a pig on the altar. So, not, you know, not, a, not honoring to God in any way. Well, time went by, and then there was an uprising against the Seleucids that was led by Jacob Maccabeus. Now, Maccabeus is not a name. It is a title or a, a uh, I don't know what you would call it when, when you know, um, somebody's called like, you know, like Alexander the Great. We call him Alexander the Great. His last name was not the Great. Um, Judas Maccabees' name was not, his last name was not Maccabees. His last name, I don't, I think, I don't know what his last name was, to be honest. Um, he did end up founding the Hasmodean dynasty, which included Herod later. Um, even though Herod was, was an Edomite and not a Jew, um, so the, the, a lot of the people in the Hasmodean dynasty were not actually physically descended from Jacob Maccabeus. But Maccabeus simply meant the hammer. He was Jacob the hammer. It was kind of, you know, the hammer of God used to defeat God's enemies kind of, kind of idea. So he led an uprising against the Seleucids. And they ended up driving the Seleucids out and retaking Jerusalem. And the temple was cleansed and rededicated to God. And this is recorded in the book of 1 Maccabees. Now, 1 Maccabees is not scripture. There are, I think, four books of the Maccabees. And they, they kind of record a lot of the history Um but they're not scripture. And we know they're not scripture because the books themselves say that there had not been a prophet in Israel since uh, Malachi. And the writing of scripture requires a prophet because scripture is theonistos. It is the breath of God. It is the word of God. And if God is not speaking to prophets, there's no word of God to be written down. So scripture is, 
it must come through prophets. And so every, every writer of scripture in that sense is a prophet because they are writing God's word. So this is not scripture, but we have this history recorded for us. And, and it would be similar to reading, you know, annals of, of Roman or English history for that matter. They, they, they can help us understand what happened. They're historical books, but they are not to be considered scripture. We do not derive doctrine from them. But it was during that time that this took place. Now, according to rabbinic tradition, the rededication of the temple after the Maccabean victory involved a miracle. According to tradition, when the victorious Jews re-entered the temple, they could only find one sealed, undefiled, uncorrupted jar of the holy olive oil that was used to light the, the big menorah, the big lamp in the, in the, uh, in the temple. And many of them had been opened, they had been smashed, they'd been used by the, by the Seleucids, but they only found one sealed jar of this oil that had been dedicated to the use of the temple. And there was only enough oil for one day. But it would take eight days to manufacture new oil according to the prescriptions given by Moses of how the temple oil was to be prepared. But they only had one day's worth of oil. So according to tradition, that one day of oil lasted eight days until new oil could be made. And so that's considered a miracle. Now, this miracle is not included in the account in 1st Maccabees of the rededication of the temple. There's no mention of the miracle at all. It arose, this story arose later. And just looking at the historical evidence of that, um, that's one of those indications that this, was pro this miracle probably did not take place. They, they probably had enough oil that somebody came up with this story later and thought it was a great story, and so it got written in it's been the rabbinic tradition passed down but but there's no you know, of course there's no scriptural warrant for it because there was no scripture at the time now the feast of dedication is mentioned in the new testament specifically in the book of john chapter 10 verses 22 and 23 we read at that time the feast of dedication took place in jerusalem it was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So Jesus has gone to Jerusalem during the Festival of Lights. And indeed, later, when Je Jesus makes his, I am the light of the world, that was apparently, I'd have to go find the exact reference, but my understanding is that that was done the day after the Festival of Lights ended at a later time in the, in the life of Christ. And they had, during the Festival of Lights, a huge outdoor menorah 
in the temple courtyard that could be seen. Because remember, the temple is up on a hill. It could be seen throughout the whole city. And when Jesus made his comment that I am the light of the world, it was the day after that menorah had been extinguished at the end of the Festival of Lights. So kind of a, an analogy there, or, you know, he's, he's not just pulling, I'm the light of the world from thin air. He's got a, a got, got a reason that will make the people think about the importance of light. And could you imagine, I mean, this is pre-electric lights. So if you have this giant menorah, three, four stories tall, um, in the temple square that can be seen throughout the city, how impressive must that have been when all the light was lit? Because they would light one light each night. And so at the end of the festival, you would have all the lights lit on the menorah. And now the lamp in the temple had seven lights. If you go back and read the, the, um, the instructions for the building of the tabernacle, the lamp that was inside had seven lights. The, the, Hanukkah menorah, the Festival of Lights menorah, has eight, one for each of the eight days. Um, I don't know about the giant menorah in the temple square that they used for the the Festival of Lights. I don't know if it was uh, a, a standard seven-light menorah or if it had eight for Hanukkah. Interesting thought. I don't know. Something to look up. Um, there's your homework assignment. So while the feast is mentioned in scripture, the story of the miracle is not confirmed. So we don't have scriptural warrant to believe a miracle took place. We don't even have period witness. The, the, the people saying that there was a miracle come much later in history. Now, you know, by the time of, of Jesus, um, it's probably believed, but I think the earliest source I saw, it's been a while since I've done any deep reading on this, but the earliest source I saw for the miracle seems to be from about 120 AD. So it's after the time of Christ that we have the first recorded mention of the miracle. So I don't even know if they believed that during the Festival of Lights in Jesus's day. Um, but, uh, it, it seems likely because the feast last eight days. And I think that that eight day feast comes from that miracle. But then again, you know, most Jewish feasts are seven days. And if you have a, a, a day on one or the other end, you end up with an eight day feast. Um, so it could be, you know, that this day is the day of dedication, and then you have the Feast of Dedication for seven days following. I mean, we get that with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We have Passover, and then you have the seven days following is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So it could be something like that. It might not have anything to do with the miracle story. That may not have arisen until after the time of Christ. So since that story came later, it's less and less likely to be true. Now, just like Passover, Hanukkah moves around on our calendar. 
And the reason Hanukkah moves around on our calendar is we're using a 365 and a quarter day solar calendar, whereas the Jewish calendar is 360 days. And as the months end up earlier in the year, as the progression happens, when they start to get too early for their proper season, there's an extra month added to bump everything back to its regular time. So the Jewish calendar moves around, um, and that goes back to biblical times. They were doing that extra month even then um, because the lunar calendar and the solar calendar do not match up. Now, there is a lot of speculation. Um, we know just from the decay of time that um, like the orbit of the moon is is speeding up. I'm not sure if it's speeding up or slowing down. I'd have to, to look. But, I mean, entropy takes place since the fall. And it is quite possible that originally they were in sync. And that is why many ancient people have a 360-day calendar instead of a 365-day calendar. The other, other thing is the fact that the phases of the moon and the passing of the seasons is much more apparent than the annual cycle of the sun. Although we know that many ancient peoples did build monuments that mark the solstices, which was yesterday, and the, the uh, equinoxes. So, you know, it wasn't that they were not noticed. I think in a pre-electric light society, pre-electricity, where daylight and darkness were much more important, that people were more aware of the celestial happenings. But regardless, this year Hanukkah started on Monday. So today marks halfway through the eight-day Feast of Hanukkah. But I wanted to talk about just a little bit about where that came from. So if you were not aware of it, now you know. Um, it is not a biblical feast. It's not one of the feasts that was given by God to Moses, to the nation of Israel, uh, like Passover, like trumpets, like you know the other feasts that were, were given in the Scripture. But it is a feast that arises out of a historical event. Um, there's another historical event feast that was added to the Jewish calendar that is mentioned in the scripture. It's not commanded by God, but it is mentioned, the origin of it is mentioned in the scripture. And that's in, um, mine goes blank, uh, the book of Esther. Um, when they, they, they wanted to destroy the Jews and we, you know, that whole story and Queen Esther talked to the king and he, he, he gave an order allowing the Jews to defend themselves and so the Jews were saved and all of that. And the Feast of Purim comes from that time where they're celebrating the deliverance of the Jews from this plot to wipe them out. And so, you know, that's mentioned in Scripture. It's not commanded by God, but it's mentioned in Scripture. And in more modern times, Holocaust Remembrance Day. Um, 
again, you know, celebrating the deliverance, celebrate, you know, remembering those who died and celebrating the deliverance of those who survived. So um, these these holidays, while not commanded by God, there's certainly, you know, nothing wrong with remembering these important events in history, whether Jewish, I mean, we celebrate, you know, at the beginning of this month, we had Pearl Harbor Day. Um, perfectly, perfectly reasonable to remember these important historic and significant events. One of those historic and significant events was the retaking and rededication of the temple by the Mac by the, the Maccabean Revolt around 160 BC. 160, 165. I'm not sure the exact date. Excuse me. I know the it was, I believe, 168 BC that the temple was actually defiled by Antiochus Epiphanes. Now, interestingly, um, a lot of people point to this when reading the book of Daniel, and they point to the abomination of desolation and point to Antiochus Epiphanes' desecration of the temple and try to identify that as the abomination of desolation. But 200 years later, Jesus in the Olivet Discourse says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, so it had not happened yet by the time of Jesus. And, and quite honestly, it hasn't happened yet, I don't believe. That will happen during the tribulation at the midpoint of the tribulation when the Antichrist stands in the temple and declares himself to be God. A very significant event. Um, but that's not going to happen until the tribulation period, um, which is still future. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's Squirrel Chatter for today. Have the very best of Thursdays. Stay warm out there. Do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. See you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.